So this is our second class about the seven women prophets. Last week was basically an introduction, and I think we'll continue giving today a second separate introduction as we'll start at least going into uh, Sada, or maybe Sada and Miriam. We are learning out of the Gemara, the Gemara is on Megillah, page 14, Dafyu Dalad Amadalif. As we mentioned, actually, the Gemara says that there were double the amount of Jews that left Egypt were Jews that became prophets. That means at least a million two hundred thousand people merited to be a prophet. So when Chazal tell us that there were 48 male prophets and there were seven female women prophetesses, hope they got the word right, um, as we mentioned, it's not that these were the only people that merited achieving the level of a Navi or of a Nevi'ah, but these were people through whom God communicated the message for humanity or for the Jewish people that needed to be recorded because that message speaks to all of us at all times. I mean, the vast majority of prophecies were given to a person either only for them or it was a message that was not for all generations, and therefore it was not recorded as part of Torah, but there were many, many more people than the ones that we are going to mention, both men and women. Now, I think the second introduction to appreciate better the whole notion of prophecy, and quickly recapping the other peoples that live in the darkness, particularly the, the Islam religion, they understand in their theology that prophecy is an attestment to the greatness of God, meaning regardless who the vessel is, because of God's greatness, God can speak through anything. And it could be that Muhammad was, uh, I should not get arrested, was like a nobody. And, and, and God, you know, according to their version, choosing, according, I know in their theology, whoever it is that God chose to speak through doesn't attest to their greatness. And diametrically opposite is the understanding and the emes, as it is revealed in the Torah, that even when there is a message that God needs to share to the people, the person who merits to be the channel isn't a random choice. We have to work on ourselves to be worthy to become a prophet. And everything that we learn about in school, about working on our inner midos, and always being in control of our yetzer, all of that are the prerequisites to being a prophet. And we said last week that someone who reached a level that they are worthy of prophecy, they're called b'nei hanavim. This term is written, b'nei hanavim does not mean the biological child and the dad or the mom was a navi. B'nei hanavim are people that they achieved the level of perfection that makes them worthy of being a prophet or a prophetess. And if God will choose to communicate to mankind, then that will be a candidate through whom God will make that communication. So prophecy is an attestment to the greatness of the person and not to the greatness of God. Now Rambam, who was unique in so many areas, did something extraordinary, and people are familiar with it. Many people recite every day the 13 I Believes, we have, what, we have what we call the 13 principles of Jewish faith, one of which is that God prophesies through people. 
or that people can become a prophet. This is considered in the Rambam from the 13 principles of the Jewish religion. And my question today, let's open with that, is why? Why is it a principle in Jewish faith that God communicates through people? I understand that it must be a principle in Jewish faith that Moses was a prophet. Because if not, how was the Torah divine? But after the prophecy of Moshe, we know opposite the Christians who uh, very erroneously claim that there is a new covenant, a Bris Chadasha, the New Testament, that God changed the mitzvahs. No, God doesn't change anything. In other words, the, the 613 commandments will never change because God is eternal and that which comes from God is eternal. Change connotes disconnect from God. So back over here, why is it important to believe as a foundation in Jewish emunah that God communicates through people? And if that would not happen, what exactly would change? Question. What says you? Manora, why is it so, why is the belief in prophecy from the 13 principles of Jewish faith? I want to give you an example. It, we don't say that the belief in Shabbos is a principle of Jewish faith. It's not. It's very important. Don't get me wrong. You can even argue that the way we define an observant Jew is a Jew that keeps from the three mitzvahs Shabbos. Well, let's say you have Chizkiah who said some prophecies, right? Yeah. So how do we know to believe him? If and, and, if we, and if we would not believe Chizkiah, that's why mm-hmm. I explained that other peoples, the Christians who believe wrongfully, that, that God changes the commandments through prophets as the time goes on. Mm-hmm. So then you have to believe in prophets because if there's going to be a change in God's approach, how will we know it? Right. But we don't believe in that. We believe that that's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. That God gave one time a Torah. There is only one Torah. Torah is Emes. Torah will never change. The commandments will never change. Right. So believing that Moses is a prophet is fundamental to the rest of the Jewish religion. But the belief that there is a concept of prophecy, why is this a pillar of Jewish faith? It's not Torah mitzvahs necessarily, it's just uh, prophesizing the future. So, so it's just so, so what? didn't tell it to us yet. What, what Chizkiah told us, right? Like what's going to be in the future? You're picking him, okay. Let's say, I don't know, that's who I'm picking up. Okay. Hashem didn't tell the Jews all that stuff. Before. Before. So, okay. So and then, then how he told else them. are we supposed to believe him? Maybe this is part And of... if we would not believe him. Okay. If we would not believe his... But he has a message for us that we need to know. I think it's... it's I, want, I, want, I, want, I want to clarify. Right. I'm not minimizing the messages that the prophets brought. Mm-hmm. You're saying why but does what God, wa- God, God, God created the world and God wants for us to keep his mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. And, and everything beyond that is nice. Knowing the future is nice at times, not always. Sometimes it's better not to know the future. Mm-hmm. Why is prophecy such a foundational part of Yiddishkeit? It's, Shabbos is what's more important than Shabbos. No, God us. communicated. That's my point. God communicated through Moshe by giving us the title. That's the that main communication. The but that's forever. Okay. It's, no, it's based on the premise, which is another of the 13 principles, that the mitzvahs will never change. That no prophet ever has the right to overturn a commandment. And if they say that God came to me and told me, which is what Yashka said, that from now on there's a new covenant. 
they're lying. God never communicated that to them. God will never give something that will overturn the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs is the foundation. Everything else is important, but it's not a foundation. You know what a foundation is? A foundation is, is that if there's no foundation, there's no building. A foundation... Oh, that's too close to comfort. I know, but that's what a foundation is. A foundation is, is that it's not that you're missing the second story, and we want the second story. The foundation is, if you don't have the foundation, you have no stories. So let's say the belief in God is a foundation for Yiddishkeit. Because if there's no God, then... then What's the point of the whole Yiddishkeit when we're trying to serve God? Or you can believe in God, but you won't believe that God communicates to people through Moshe. I get that. If you don't believe in that, there's no Torah. I have an idea. Yeah. Is it because God is constantly recreating the world at every moment, and if we stopped creation at any moment, then we would cease to exist? So prophecy is just a continuation of that constant recreation. How is that? How is that? How is that? Uh, because recreation is recreation. God is recreating me, and uh, I'm no prophet. Right, but when we do have prophets, the prophets are able to um, communicate either their own, because you say sometimes just for them, or to other people, things that they need to understand in order to keep creation going. So let me say what I told you. I'll, I'll go to the same point. God is giving me the title right now. I want you to know that when. How long do you think it took? Uh, the Sinai experience took how much time? An hour. You think it took an hour? I don't know. How long does it take the Balkaida with the noise, with the kids, and the shul to read the Ten Commandments? It's such a, it's such a, it's so anticlimactic, climatic, that you may, oh yeah, you have to make a big fuss about it because if you don't make a big fuss about it, it we read it already. Right. Um, five minutes. Um, Sinai experience took us five minutes. Wow. Or less. But there's something very big. However, while we were in it, it felt like eternity, literally. And let me tell you what I mean by that, is that at that moment, we were so connected to God that we began to experience God's experience, and God is beyond time. And it's a very scary thing. Beyond time means that from God's experience, how long did Sinai take? Forever. If God is above time. Forever. A second. Huh? Forever. By the way, I, I thought like, God's it's a fr- time is much quicker. Like the 6,000 years that we're... That's when God, that's when God uh, died, invested himself in creation. Mm-hmm. But God, per se, who is above time, if you don't have the measurement of time, mm-hmm. then it's either it is or it's not. Mm-hmm. And if it is, then it is... Forever. So we, we can even argue that when is God giving us the Torah? No. Right now. Wait, are you saying right now because we're still there in a way? Because at a certain level, yeah. when we were there then, yeah. we were also there right now. Right, because we were up beyond time. And, 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 and listen, you know, there are many stories of tzaddikim that remember their past lives. I'm sure that there are tzaddikim that they remember their future lives. That's a bigger chachma. Wow. We're speaking about the Abt Rebbe. I was just reading about him. This, this, he was one of the earlier great Hasidic masters. He had on his back a big red mark. And he said, he knows where it came from. Because in one of his prior lives, he was from the sheep of Yaakov Avinu. Oh, wow. And there's a mitzvah to tithe every tenth animal. 
and the tenth one is marked with red paint, and the owner declares that the tenth is holy to God. So that marking that Yaakov did to the Shepsala a couple of thousand years ago somehow manifested that was his birthmark. He remembered. He remembered the, the past. But, but let's go. When we were on top of Sinai at that moment, which might have taken on the clock a couple of minutes, we probably saw ourselves sitting here right now. God is giving us the Torah right now. Way beyond Chachma, way beyond, because Chachma is already Chachma of Atzilus. Atzilus is already in some way connected to time, to cause and effect, to a beginning and an end. There's creation, there's pre-creation. God himself, his essence is, it is. So, uh, Navi, but then, but then you say that uh, it could have taken a couple of minutes. How could it even take a couple of minutes? First question. Second question is, how come uh, Navi comes from Bina? So, is, there, is right, it right. like that it expands, or is it that it reflects... Um, it reflects what we're doing so that like, we have a reflection of what we need to know or what we're worthy of receiving from Harsinai. Okay, I want to hold the Bina for that was my, <laughs> that was my whole part over here. But I want to say like this, that, that the purpose of creation and anything that's connected to the purpose of creation will be included in the 13 principles of faith like Mashiach, which is also the big question. Why is Mashiach a principle in faith? Same question. Uh, we believe Mashiach is coming, and if you would not believe in it, what other mitzvah would you not be able to keep if you would not believe in Mashiach? No, you can have a Muna without believing in Mashiach. You can believe in God. You, and if there's no Beis We're doing it now. Doing places. Huh? You'll find a place for it. No what? If there's no Beis you'll find a place for what you do there. Which is what we're doing for the past thousands of years. Exactly. So what the Rambam, when the Rambam included Mashiach in the 13 principles of faith, because the principles, the foundations, aren't only past-related, they are future-related, or they're purpose-related. Past-related means there is God. There is a God that created me, that's past. Future-related is, is that I'm created for a purpose. And purpose of life is a foundation in our life. If we lose our purpose, it's just as bad as us losing our past. Just like physically, a foundation comes first. Purpose has to come first. Simple. If you don't have a purpose, then there's no reason to live. That's amazing. Huh? Yeah, it's a great reminder on a Tuesday. And, and, and what is our purpose? So let me speak about the collective purpose. I'm not speaking about an individual purpose. And everyone has their purpose, make no mistake. But there is a Jewish purpose. There is a collective purpose. And let's understand that to appreciate Yiddishkeit, you have to know the collective purpose. Okay, and that's, that's why the Rebbe never stopped talking about Mashiach because it's not just an event that will happen. But for many people have the erroneous attitude, okay, when well, Mashiach will come, Mashiach will come. Believe, And if you won't come, no. It's about purpose. There's a purpose to what you're doing. Every time we make a little sacrifice or a big sacrifice for Yiddishkeit, you're not only doing it because God said so, which is correct. God said so, but there is a purpose. It's going to accomplish something. And it's not going to create for you a palace in, in Gan Eden, which it will. That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. Everything that we do in Yiddishkeit is supposed to change this world. And there has to be a time when we will see the change. We have to see that collectively. What do you mean have to see the change? 
change. You have to see the change. What does that mean? The Mashiach. Okay. If you're doing something for a purpose, it's so vital for you to see yourself succeeding at it. Not only for self-motivation, but if you work, you're working for thousands of years for something. If the something would have been like other religions preach to create some spiritual palace, well then, the goal will be to die and to go there. Our Yiddishkeit is to do something here. We were created here to do something here. And the tools that we have is the mitzvahs. There's a challenge, and that is, is that if all of the mitzvahs would have been be kind, very easy to see the outcome. When you see people acting kindly, you see the effect. You see how the recipients benefited. Most of, most of the mitzvahs are not that concretized to the physical. So I'm keeping kosher, but how does kosher change the world for the better, which it does, which it does. How does keeping kosher make God live here? Where am I seeing God live here? A person can keep kosher and keep Shabbos and keep the mitzvahs and they don't see God more than the Jew that's not keeping yet any of the mitzvahs. And that's not good. That's not okay. There has to be a time where it's going to become visible. Know that the mitzvahs is that which brings about the presence of God. Now, when that really happens, we, to a certain degree, it becomes so easy to be observant. Just imagine. Or in reverse, one of the biggest challenges of Golos is that we can do everything right. I'm speaking religiously. And, and, and in our reality, there's no, mo- there's no more goodness in our lives. Same, more or less, amount of suffering. The same amount of negativity. The same amount of challenge. Same darkness with all of the mitzvahs or another way of asking it just that's part of goals is that you can have a Jew that keeps all of the mitzvahs and they are just as cruel and selfish as they were 40 years ago. And they spent a lot of time working on themselves to do this mitzvah right, to do that mitzvah, but you don't see the refinement. That's not good. Because it's a scholarly pursuit. Because we're in goals. Because it must have on some level achieved some refinement and it's vitally important for this to be revealed. It has to be revealed. Because before it's revealed, it's not real on all the levels. It's real for the spiritual people that can see under the surface. But God wants to have a dira, right? A home in the lowly, in the, in the peripheral world. So we got to see it. And that's what we all want. That's what we all want with our Yiddishkeit. Once we, you do a mitzvah, you want to really see what you're doing. And we don't see. We believe we don't see. At least feel. Huh? At least feel. Some people feel, some people don't. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, even feeling is... But it's not enough just to feel. In other words, what, what needs to happen is, is that since the goal of the mitzvahs was to bring God down to this world, this is something that has to reveal itself. In history, you know when this reveals itself? When Mashiach will come. Prior to the coming of Mashiach, very similar to that which will happen in the Holy Temple, what part of the world is the part of the world through which we see how mitzvahs worked? That God really reveals himself down here. You know where you see that? In a prophet. It's not even about what the prophet is saying. 
It's not about that specific message. It's the type of unity that is affected between God and a human being, which is mind-blowing. Like, wow. That, yeah, that God can come all the way down over here. And there can be a person that's not divinely inspired, which is something that we all are capable of becoming. But during the moment of prophecy, it's almost as if, you know, people are into a, a possessed, fardibukt, God is the dibuk, so to say, in a positive way. I don't want this to be a negative thing. That Hashem goes into a person and speaks through the person. You know, when it says in the books that when a prophet spoke or the prophet heard the word of God, what, what word did he hear? What do you think? What do you think God's voice sounds like? Your own voice. Your own voice. Clear. That what happens is, is that God takes over your vocal cords. So you are doing the talking. And you are conscious enough to listen to God speaking through you. These, I just quoted the verse in scripture, Mamish. Now that's awesome. Now when a person, let's say, dreams, and when they are in a dreamlike state, they can somehow pick up something out there. It's nice, but that's because you went up. Prophecy means that God comes down. That you remain a person, you're not sleeping, you are relatively in a awake state, relatively because we spoke last week how only Moshe Rabbeinu perfected that. He was mamish awake, he was in all of his faculties, he was standing, he was a person the way God creates a person, and yet at that moment, the, the unity between God and the world happens in a prophet as it happens in the temple. There's a huge correlation. Yeah. Um, so with Moshe, when he heard Hashem speak, was it his own voice? It was his own voice. It was. Amazing. But when you talk, sometimes you can tell your spouse, this is God's voice talking. <laughs> I did not even say that. It was God Almighty himself. And there's a certain emphasis to it. I want to tell you like this, that there's many layers to it because really, 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 be-emes, 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 everything is divine providence. So you can argue that everything that you said, who's really saying it? Hashem. <laughs> and there's a truth to that. The Gemara tells us that after Mashiach will come and God will judge the nations and they to defend themselves, they're going to say that everything that they did was for the good of the Jewish people. Because don't we believe that all of the sufferings that happened to us was for our benefit? We believe in that. And when Mashiach will come, we'll see that. So they're going to use that as their defense. You're the chutzpah. They're going to say, we did it for your betterment. Because everything was... Ultimately, for the good, right? Gam zula toivo. So, how do you respond to that? Well, that wasn't their motivation. So what? So it wasn't their motivation. They, they volunteered. Meaning, let's say, God forbid, Hitler, right? He chose to do that. But it was God's will. But he volunteered. Correct. Himself. Okay. I mean, this is the big question. Correct. Correct. That Amam says your words. You're saying that Amam's words. But one thing is clear: that when 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 the Hitler, mm-hmm. right? For sure. He was, not, he was not aware that he's channeling God's will. Completely unaware. And the prophet is completely aware that this is, the prophet then knows it's not me talking. What's going on? My mouth is talking, but it's not me. You, it's an experience of being taken over and he knows it's by God. I'm sorry, he said Hitler knows it's from God. No. What were you saying? 
I was just saying before that even though to a certain level everything that we do is by divine providence, so there's a certain amount of God's using us to get, to get things done, but we're not aware of it. We are not aware of it. In other words, when I choose to do something that's against the book, in my mind, from my perspective, I'm going against the will of God. Even though it really is, but yeah. But when it comes to a prophet, the prophet is aware that it's God, that it's God talking. Unlike the Hashgacha Pratas, that's, that, that's in everything. We're good? Yeah. Okay. Now I want to come here just as a final intro to the men and the woman and how each one brings something unique to the table and how prophecy, right, Nevuah has in its root Bina. So we have in the, in the, in the general paradoxical opposite forces in the world, you have Chachma and Bina, which is also known as the father and the mother. And they are enemies, good enemies. They are constantly quarreling. You think there's no Shalom bias over here? Whew. Over there in the heavens, Chachman and Bina are, are never, they cannot be on the same page. If they get on the same page, the world will become destroyed. That's what we spoke about last week. Yeah. That, that the people that maybe for good reasons, when they're trying to take away the barriers of male and female or any, any type of egalitarianism barrier, it literally destroys the world on all levels, even physically. The physical world is a product of the tension that's created by opposite forces. And the greater the tension, the greater the power. And that power is channeled in the world. Yes? Okay, I have a quick question about that. Um, so I, I 100% understand and agree and like it makes sense that, that this world is that perpetual paradox. How... For some reason, I always see consciousness as being complete oneness. And so is there, is there, um, I, I always imagine Mashiach and the movement of the world going into this extreme, like, like almost like a white light oneness. And in that sense, isn't there, isn't it, does, don't these paradoxes kind of merge and, and what's male is female, what's female is male, what's like, there's just, there's just connection deep connection? So let me, word, let me say it like this. Like, wouldn't this all be signs of the future of Mashiach? Okay, one second. God is pure oneness. Right. Hashem Echad. The purpose of creation is not for us to go back to God. I'll tell you why. Let me just finish that. Because there was the pure oneness of God before creation. So why bother? I thought we're trying to go... I thought that's the purpose of... No, no, no. no, 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 no. I'm happy that you're here. So let me give you the words the way Hasidus words it. There's the pure oneness of God and then creation. On the highest level and downwards is constructed by opposite forces which have to remain separated for there to be creation. The end game is not for the world to cease to exist. Let's just nuke everything and go back to prior Bereshis. No. The end game is to bring the oneness of Hashem down here into a diverse world. And when the oneness of God comes into a diverse world, you don't have the blurring of boundaries at all, 
but it is there where we figure out how to put together all of the diverse forces, allowing each one to remain their own identity, their own independent being, and together we are working towards the same goal of serving God. By you using your unique talents and me using my unique talents and so on and so forth. So whenever there is a blurring of the lines, let me tell like, let me, let me, the same thing. Is our goal to go up or is our goal to bring God down? What you described in your words would be the way I would call the movement of going up. I want to go away from division and I want to go up. And going up is, 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 is Catholicism. We're not into going up. Their event was Jesus going up. Our event is God coming down. So this whole idea of like shared consciousness and um, just where the world is going, or you know, like 3D consciousness to 4D consciousness, like all of that, you're saying that is not Jewish thought? Not at all. What well, our thought is, is that there is a Ratzai V'shoiv, that there are moments where we have to go up to this great white light to be there, to be inspired, in order to bring that back down. The goal is to bring it down. Which means, which means... I I always thought that Mashiach consciousness meant, like, shared consciousness in one place. No, 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 no. That was what I always... The Mashiach consciousness is to bring the the oneness of God into a diverse world which will appreciate its diversity. So, for example, when Mashiach will come, we won't even accept converts. Let's start with that. Now, how is that... (laughs) If the goal is to merge everything together, so there are Jews and there are Goyim. There will always be Jews and non-Jews. Always. New converts. In other words, whoever converts during Golos will, is a bona fide Jew. But after the, after the arrival of Mashiach, we halakhically will not accept any more converts. I'm just, I'm just speaking out that there are divisions in the world that have to remain separated. So, but, and, but, but, but okay, I'm going to trip out a little bit, but... When the Rebbe says we're already in the times of Mashiach, what's your, like, then are we, like, do you believe that Mashiach is going to be this, like, okay, now we're in the times of Mashiach, or are we we already in Mashiach times? We are in the Mashiach times, but it's a process in which there is a certain tipping point that we did not hit yet. How how will how will you know? I'll tell you how I know. No, I'll give I'll give you the answer. The 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 concrete proof that we hit it is that when the holy temple will be built on Harabais. I see. Okay. When that will and 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 not only built, it's built, and we're gonna bring the animal sacrifices on the altar. So, when we're gonna see that, we're gonna we're gonna get to as close as prophecy as we can get. So then you're so then in a some sense. What's currently happening in the world of like non-binary and like just like technologies that are creating complete like almost like disintegration of human body and just like being this like that's going up that's going up that's you're saying that that's going to destroy the world. That will, if, if it continues to go in that direction, it will destroy the world. Correct, but it's not going to go there. That's a, that's some darkness before the light. There's good in everything. There's good in everything. There is the time to go up. But the goal is not to go up. The goal is not to go up. That's Yiddishkeit, one-on-one. The goal is to bring it down. To be in touch with down and to bring it down. So let me come back to my two opposite forces. You're welcome. So you have Chachma and Bina. 
And we have to appreciate how Chachma and Bina are enemies, and it's so good. Let me tell you, Chachma is, is the intuitive person. Chachma is the person that doesn't, that doesn't have a lot of words, because a lot of words ruins everything. Chachma is like when you have this flash of light, aha, before you verbalize it. The moment you verbalize it, you diminish the aha. It was much more exciting before you gave words to it. Once you spoke it out, Bina is the nudnik, the other person, who when you share your genius, they tell you, ah, that's so foolish. We tried that, it doesn't work. Oh, that idea, you're going to lose a lot of money. Bina is the voice that completely negates the lightness, the beauty, the excitement of Chachma. Bina, and Bina is not just the naysayer. Bina is the naysayer with a lot of history. I know this. I know this. This was already done. We experimented that. And look what happened. That guy did it and they lost all their money. Bina is the one that comes with a lot of luggage, a lot of history. Chachma is free. Chachma has no history. Chachma is this great idea. The guy in the great idea. And Bina is the one who comes with all of the experience and shows that everything that you're saying, you're mad. You're mad and you're foolish and it's destructive. The beauty about Chachma is that Chachma, the father, is not beaten into silence. No. He says, one second, he gets re-inspired and he comes back. <laughs> and Bina, Bina, so Chachma is bringing some light and Bina is telling him that maybe, maybe in a different planet, this might be a good idea. Here, it's not going to work. Here, it's not going to work. And there's a back and forth, and there's a back and forth, and finally, they have to make some sort of resolution. The resolution will be, is that we will allow to experiment with one-tenth of the Chachma that you have, and let's see what happens. And Bina is the, is the pessimist, and it's not going to work. But for you, just to get you, you know, to stop harassing me, that's Chachma Bina. The father and the mother. So in the biggest context, Chachma is this pure white light, is God, and Bina is us down over here. God with his ideas. And God says, let's keep Shabbos. We took out a human sugar. We're not going to work. I mean, that's what the whole thing is. It doesn't work. Like you're living in the heavens in La La Land. No, not in this reality. We're not going to keep Shabbos. And in all the mitzvahs, there's like the idea of the mitzvah. And you know, if you, if you understand the Chachm of every mitzvah, it's amazing. You know what the problem we have is? Is that we have history. He says, I did that. Don't tell me that Shabbos is the spiritual day. It's not. Can't go to work. It's boring. You can't watch TV. You can't turn the electricity. The air conditioning. You're going to schwitz. We have all this negative experience. And we tell you that this whole picture that you're painting is not sinished. That's Chachm and that's Bina. And, and the ultimate goal, what's the ultimate goal? Is for Chachma to, to, to uh, inspire Bina. To get the Bina to say, you know what? Let's take a try that. That might be good. If Chachma can convince Bina, it's wow. It's not, like a, not the other way around. That Bina could, could, you can't convince Bina. Bina tells Chachma, go back where you came from. Does sometimes Chachma have to go back? Most of the time it goes back. It happens the whole time in our minds. Right, but is that, is that like what I'm trying to say is we need to tone down the Bina, but you also have to tone down the Chachma. Could the Chachma actually be crazy? Speaking like Bina, no. could the Chachma actually be crazy? Oh, Chachma is always crazy. In, in, Bina, in Bina's perspective, Chachma is a madman. I'll tell you, like it's Musk, right? It, 
if we if you can use them as a chacham, I, I I don't like them. That, that, you know you know you know what the conclusion of Musk is? Go to Mars. Perfect. Get out of there. That's that that's exactly where chacham chacham takes you to a different planet. And that's the that's again that's opposite the goal of God. God says you have a good idea, make it work here. You once spoke about a, a marriage, and one person in the marriage is chachma, and one is always. And sometimes they switch roles. They can switch roles, hundred percent. What I pointed out is is that if one spouse decides to become more one sided, they unbeknownst to them force the other side to take the opposite position. Because they're happy. So if a person becomes more integrated, you know, as if a person allows to have in them a little bit of this and a little bit of that, so it automatically it eases off their, their spouse will also become a little bit more two-sided. So you become like a Kaylee for it and in each dynamic you assume either more Chachma or more Bina? Because there's got to be in your house Chachma and Bina. So if you're going to assume the position of pure Bina, you're forcing your husband to be pure Chachma. So it's two people, any two people, not just a marriage. Well, two people, yeah, two people. There's always going to be a chachman abina. Always going to be a chachman abina, mm-hmm. and now it can be within yourself. But the more one-sided you become, you will attract to you people that are punta opposite, and it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. So when a person gets married and says, "Wow, my spouse is the opposite of me," thank God. <laughs> but Hashem, that's exactly the way it was meant to be. Rabbi, I have a question. It's Mushka. Yeah. Hi. So, um, two things. One is the the experience of Hachamim. Is that in, in any way connected to the heart and the and the mind? Yes. That Bina uba halev maven. Correct. Bina's connected to the heart because Bina knows the emotions. Bina has all of the all of the down to earth experience. Bina's the experienced one. So when we're speaking about heart, it means more like emotional intelligence. That the, the bina, the maven, the woman, right? We're speaking about the archetype woman. She, she says, no, 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 this is not going to function. Might be a good idea, but it's not going to work out. It's not going to be effective. Okay, and then a, a, a friend of mine was reading a book from Emma Ginsburg, and she was explaining how the, the rectified unity of man and woman is when the heart, the, the mind enters the heart. That's exactly the point that we're making, is that, in other words, there's two visions of rectification. One vision is, is that the lower goes up to the higher. And our understanding of the ultimate purpose is to bring the higher down to the lower. Now, so let, me, let, now let, me, not, let me just finish with coming back to prophecy. Women, they, the archetype woman personifies Bina or and heart and the ultimate Chacham is God so God is the creator God is the Chachma God has the, all the wisdom God has all the great ideas he began all this and like we're the experiment over here and we're telling God whoa whoa whoa, whoa slow down over here That's, I don't think that was such a great idea like COVID why where are you coming from we are we are we are you know we're trying to manage God's grace of Chachmas and the ultimate goal is that when, when, when Bina channels Chachma perfectly, so it's both in Chachma and in Bina, which is why prophecy has to be verbalized. All prophecies were words. Words is Bina. Words come from Bina. The letters come from Bina. Chachma's pre-children have a lot of Chachma. 
I'm infants. They have they cannot speak yet. Speech is connected to Bina, which is why the Gemara says that ten measures of speech came down into the world, and nine of them were taken by the woman. The Gemara says because it has to be that way. Many people will have a hard time getting out of their male spouse words because by nature you 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 go into the cave. However, other cultures word it. Right, the man cave, because the man cave is going going up, going up to the white light. Yeah, and 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 you're going in the wrong direction. You have to come down. That's so therefore, a woman via is a much greater accomplishment than a male navi, because it's the ultimate merging of the white light, your white light, down to the down to the earth. Yes. Well, I would say the male is because they say less, no? That's a good point. Like it's already come down to the male. The male's already there. The, the masculine Chochma energies are, has already... But there's no Bina. In other words, if the goal is to come down all the way to planet Earth, so then the woman, the archetype woman is more earthly. Because Chochma can't make it down to Earth without Bina. Correct. Correct. That's why all of Yiddishkeit is all about talking. We're talking the whole time. We're saying, we're praying speech. Think about your davening. What are you doing when you're davening? If davening means you're going up, be quiet. The way other cultures, moment of silence. We are never for a moment of silence. It's not a Jewish thing. It's a moment of silence. It's, it's, it's good if the alternative is not to think about God. The Rebbe made a big campaign to make a moment of silence. We daven, we talk. We speak, we learn, we talk. Because we want to bring it down. Because, because since the purpose is to bring Kedusha down, what good will it be if you're going to go into a library and you're going to look in the book and it's going to be silent and you're going to meditate on the greatness of God? But that's not the goal. The goal is for you to go into a Besmedrish and it should be so noisy that you don't understand how are these guys thinking. <laughs> because we don't stop talking. The mitzvah is vidibartobam. Torah is not fulfilled by thinking. Even though it's about understanding, you have to speak it. Speech is bina. The words of the Torah is Chachma. And you take the God's Chachma and you speak it out. Every time we speak Torah, we're connecting to God. But we don't experience that we are connecting to godliness. We don't have that experience. The Navi has that experience. The ultimate merging of God and mankind is through a Navi. And maybe in a woman, a woman Navi. And the ultimate merging of God in the physical world is in the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why both of these are so fundamental to Jewish faith. It's a yusoyit, it's a foundation. It's a principle because it has to happen. Because since God made the world for this to happen, it has to happen. God cannot fail. So, sorry, at the same time, the, the, the beauty of the husband and wife in the home becomes a yechidus for Hashem to be, to, to dwell. I thought that was so beautiful. You just just reminded me when you said that. And then and then my other thought was, it, it says in the Torah that if one of the words of the prophet doesn't come to pass, then it's a false prophet. Correct. So so that made me think about how you were explaining that if, if everything that Hashem does is eternal, then, then then that means there can't be any change in it at all down in this world. Because it would be, it would be a, like a broken link in the change of the, of the constancy of Hashem's will. 
So let me say it like this. Okay, that, so, that, so, yeah. that God is eternal, but we are not eternal. And therefore, we, we are unable to experience God's eternity and still live the way we are living. I would say that God's eternity manifests by us, of us having that one time as an experience. Not for us always having all experiences. I don't, we, we're, not, we're not created to handle that. So, right, I was thinking of the false, of a prophet who says a false word as being because, evidence because then, of, it, because then it never happened. It has to happen. It has to happen. It doesn't yeah. say it has to happen the second. Many prophecies did not yet happen because in our reality there is time and time takes time. But it has to happen. It cannot be that it will not fully manifest in this world because that's going to limit the presence of God. That means God is not omnipresent. That means God is only living in a higher world. Because God's Chachma has to, over, has to finally convince Bina. Even though Bina was hired, was created, is wired to challenge Chachma. Bina is the enemy of Chachma. And it should be that way. And ultimately, you need a greater chacham to convince Bina. That's the beauty about Bina. It's like when you come with a good idea, only it's good for you to have a group of people that will not be yes people, but they're going to challenge your idea because that gives you the opportunity to debate with them. And when you eventually win, you got it. That's the emes. It's so emes that even Bina said it's emes. If you're speaking to a bunch of chachamim, to a bunch of mad people, and they all agree with you, that doesn't prove that what you're saying is emes at all. And that's how children stay protected because they have their father and their mother. So if any one of them will do what we always do, which is to make a lot of mistakes, the other one is out there to protect the child. If you have two people that are same, then if they can make the same mistake, then who's protecting the child? They're in big trouble. How do you know? How do you know what side is right? If like one parent says this and another parent says no, this. Oh, it's not. It's not for the child to decide. No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever feels better to you. <laughs> in other words, in, in other words, that 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 when parents mean well, everyone wants to do the right thing, and when people are humble to hear the other's perspective, so then you benefit a lot, because then you're open. When you're humble, you're open to accept that you might have made a mistake. But, but I would not even know that I might be making a mistake if I don't have someone different than me and opposite than me thinking different, saying, no, 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 this is not a good idea. Do something else. And both sides have to have the humility of listening to each other. What's Bina listens to Chachma, listens, and then it tells Chachma, you're nuts. It, Bina doesn't tell Chachma, you're crazy before it talks. Bina listens to the ideas and then it tells Chachma, you're crazy. And then Chachma tells Bina, you're so boring and dark and depressing. You're depressing against fun. You're so square. Excitement. Let's just spontaneous. Spontaneity is Chachma. Again, every couple, there's going to be one that's spontaneous. And the more spontaneous one is, the other one will be forced to take the other position. Just know that way. If you feel that your spouse is so square or so this, that's because you're the opposite side. Change yourself and you'll change them like magic. Yes. What are your thoughts on this obsession? Seems to feel like it's an obsession with this transgender movement. It's 
It's not just about right. being gay now. It's like an obsession with being both sexes. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this obsession? It's, 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 it's a holy concept that's being corrupted. Well, in other words, oh, the holiness in it... Because man and woman are one. The holiness in it is because in the root, everything is one God. So when society is coming to the realization of Hashem Echad, before that idea will be perfected, which is part of the messianic process, the corruption of Hashem Echad is to erroneously, with good intentions, feel that that achtus means that there aren't divisions. I'm not, okay, I'm trying to understand you. So they have good okay, I know this is very important because this is, the, this is now the current uh, conversation of our time. Correct. So I guess Hashem is one. Hashem is one. Creation is not one. That's the Nakoda. Yes, there is a oneness. The oneness is God. The oneness of God should be manifest through men and through women and through through all different parts of creation. But the oneness of God was never meant to overwhelm creation, making everything back into one. You know when everything will become one? You know what the ultimate one is? I'm telling you, God forbid, destroy the world. Then everything will be the same. If, if, if what is of virtue is sameness, then the only way to get back to real everything is the same, you know how? Is by completely destroying the physical. Do you think it has anything to do I feel like that's anger. Oh, yes, it is. Do you think it has anything to do with the concept of like, um, well, man was created first and then woman was taken from man. Does it have anything to do with... First of all, it could be, it could be. I'm saying... Women are one. Woman comes from the the rib of the man. Does it have, I don't know, anything to do with that? I see it as, is that there, you know, the way Hasidus words, there are two general godly powers. There was what we call the light of Mamale. These are words that are very meaningful. And you have the light of Soivev. Mamale is a divine power that's structured, that has a right, that has a left, that has a male side, has a female side. And then there is a much higher level of godliness that is beyond all divisions. And we are yearning to touch that. We are yearning for transcendence. We want to get out of this, which is we want to connect to God. But people think that the way we connect to God is becoming more like God in the sense that there are no divisions. I find that scary. Everything, the, the, more, the more same everything will be, the less divisions, then, then, then we're going to finally touch God. And Yiddish guy tells us, no, no, it's, yes, we all want to touch God. Whether you use these words or any other words, everyone wants the same thing. That's the ultimate mode. I want to touch Hashem. That's the way I'm going to word it because we're Yidin. But the way we touch Hashem, ironically, that's the Gewaldic the Yiddishkeit, is not by me becoming soivev. No. By me actually fortifying the mamali. Like, think about it. When is there more light in one's home? When it's in a chaotic state or when it's in an organized state? When it's organized. But you know, it's so counterintuitive because organization by default means limitations. This has to be here, and that has to be there. And this room is for one purpose, the other room is for another purpose. Why don't we say, I want the light in my home, I wanna, you know, I wanna have a home, I wanna feel that ruach, so just make chaos. It doesn't work that way. There's a paradox. Paradox is, is that for God, say that is a limitation, for God. For me, say that is a necessity. 
the more Seder in my life, the more I will accomplish. The healthier begashmias I'll be. I'll sleep when I'm supposed to sleep. I'll be awake. It's a chaos. This movement is a movement of chaos. It's, it's just mixing. It's mixing everything up. It's mishmashing everything. It's coming. Be closer to God. I, I, I see it that way. That's the good in it. It's coming from the, it's an expression of a very deep desire to connect to God. And, it's, it's, and that desire is corrupted. That desire, that's the kernel of truth. It's manifesting itself because we don't have a Mashiach leader that educates the world in a way that the world will understand this. One second. But yeah. every, every morning when we say brachos, a boy says, thank you, Hashem, for making me a boy. And a girl says, thank you, Hashem, for making me a girl. Yep. So, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and. You know what I mean. Yes. And so, so you're saying this movement is about being closer to God, but in the Torah it teaches us that we're supposed to be happy that, that God made us the gender we are because... That that's what we were supposed to be. Let me say, if let, God wanted a girl sure. to be a boy, let me, let me let me let me say like this: that that it's be, there's it's beautiful that people want to get close to God. Question is how. Now here here is something that the world has to believe in. God said how. They don't believe in that. What do you mean God said how? God what told us how to get close to Him. God told us how to get close to Him. If people don't believe that God told us how to get close to Him, so then people are grappling in their dark and they're using ideas and they're experimenting with it. All that I'm saying is, is that I don't think it's healthy to view all this as evil. It's important to view as this as something holy. People want to get close to God and all what's needed now is for, the, for humanity to know that God thousands of years ago, already told us how to get close to him. And us means also to the nations of the world. And the, and the, 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 the neshama of how to get close to him is bechlau, don't go up, bring God down. Bring God down. One last question, I don't want to interrupt this whole thing, but during, um, you know, during the times where they were like building the Tower of Abel and stuff like that, were, were the same things that are happening now, happening then? Like man wanting to become woman, woman, woman wanting to become man. Uh, that I think I think that every time has its unique movement, and this is the way it's playing out is definitely unique. I don't think mankind ever had the technology and the science and the ability to mutilate one's body to the point where you can survive it, and which is what they're doing right now. You can't even tell the difference between the two. Correct. 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 Uh, let me tell you something. If, you, if we want to win this argument, and it's our responsibility to win the argument, if we're going to go in there swinging and saying that you guys are evil, then, we, then who, who, who will listen to you? Nobody. Nobody. That's you come to a person and you see the good in the person and you understand that the person is coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. I said even the communists who brought the most evil in the world, they met, some of them meant well. And that it, once they are acknowledged, once they feel acknowledged, then you can have a discussion with them. I understand. I understand. And then the person will be open to hearing your point of view. And I think we have a very compelling point of view. And the way it, it's always, it's all going to come down that God is one, but creation is diverse. And God made the diversity. And by honoring diversity, by upholding Seder, by celebrating Bina, don't minimize Bina. When Mashiach will come, Chachm is not going to overwhelm Bina. 
It won't be that the husband that keeps on fighting with you, so you give up. No. That, that Chachma has to, has to prove itself to Bina. No, the Navi is someone in which God, God doesn't overwhelm the Navi. The Navi is not unconscious. The Navi is not doing the talking. God is doing the talking. But the Navi is fully aware of what God is doing. The, the Navi is conscious. Saying, wow, God is speaking through me. And I want to just, just, I know it's late, just to touch that Sarah, the first woman prophetess, that how do we know that she was a prophet? So the Gemara says, because God told Abram that koil asher elecha Sarah shma That's after Yishmael was born and they were kicked out. And Abram Avinu was very hesitant because human logic should not lead a person to kick out their child. And Sarah was not coming with human logic. This was God's will. And God needed to tell Abram that her uh, request of expelling Hagar and Yishmael actually should not be a parenting tip. This was not a uh, logical human way of dealing with a wayworld child. No, this was a prophecy. This is God. God sometimes says this needs to happen. This needs and and listen to her voice because I am speaking through her voice. It's That's thing that he didn't tell Abram directly. Because the ultimate prophecy has to come. Let me say it this way. It's important for a Chacham, for a Chacham to acknowledge the place of Bina. Mm-hmm. A- instead of the Chacham feeling that I'm superior to Bina, that Bina is the downer, Bina is the depressing voice. Bina, Bina is the, the pessimist. Who says, I'm not a pessimist, I'm just a realist. I can prove to you that this won't work. I know it's going south. It's not going to be good. Oh my God, there it goes again. All right, Chavra, to be continued. Yashikoyach, a big uh, warm welcome to uh, to the Aaron family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you know everyone over here, Robin. Yeah.